0: Thank you for joining us today at Our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in seven different locations. We hope that today's message encourages and empowers you on your spiritual journey and helps you grow deeper in your relationship with God. To learn more about Our Savior's Church and how you can get involved, you can visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com.
1: So go ahead, once again, turn to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to have all of the passages behind me on the screen. So if you're taking notes this morning, the title of my message is very simply this, Here as There. Can y'all say it with me? Here as There. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your presence today. Thank you for the Holy Spirit who is in us and with us. Lord, I ask today, I ask that you truly would do something special in our hearts, in our minds, in our lives, Lord, as I, as I preach and as we listen, as we lean in, God, I'm praying that you would give us the ability to grasp what you're saying to us, Lord. And, and I pray today, God, that we would understand that what I'm gonna preach is weighty and it's eternal and it outweighs and outdoes everything we could mention in this life, any category of thought, any sports team, any commitment that we have. Lord, we thank you that the king And the kingdom of God rules over all. Come on, let's lift our hands to the king right now. King Jesus, we submit to you. We submit to your rule in this place. Where we know that the kingdom of God, it's not a place, but it's found in a person. And his name is Jesus. And we submit to you, King Jesus. Come on, right now, it doesn't matter where you've been what you've done right now, in this moment, before I even preach, this is our moment to surrender to King Jesus. How I many of y'all know he's worthy of it? Come on, let's worship him. Let's lift our hands right now. We worship you, King Jesus. We worship you. And some of you, maybe you're new, you don't even know what this means. This is just a sign of surrender. It's your way of saying that Jesus is in charge. And so, Lord, we lift our hands to you right now. We pray that you would do something special, even miraculous, in this place, and I ask that every life would be changed for the glory of God, and everyone said, amen, Amen and amen, all right, well, let's begin today, Matthew chapter 6, we're going to read two verses, verses 9 and 10, Jesus says that when we pray, we should pray like this, our Father, say it with me, our Father in heaven, how would be your name, your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is as it is in heaven let's stop right there now as we read verse 10 in particular there's a word that stands out and that word at least for me is the word kingdom Raise your hand if you, as a believer, have ever used the word kingdom before in talking to another Christian uh, or someone else about your faith. Let me see your hands. We say things like, as Christians, we say things like, well, I'm a kingdom what? I'm a kingdom man. Someone said, I'm a kingdom woman. We say things like, well, we're here overall to advance the what? Like, I've got my job, and like I do this, and I do that, but ultimately, we're here to advance the kingdom. the kingdom, and we say the kingdom of heaven, or the kingdom of God, and so we use this word pretty frequently, at least some of you do, and I've heard this word used for the last 20-something years of my Christian life, and I think most Christians who use it, they mean well, but I'm not convinced that all Christians actually know what the word means, like, it sounds good to say that you're a kingdom person, doesn't it? Doesn't it? It sounds good to say, well, I'm here to advance the, the kingdom. But what does that really mean? Okay, Jesus says when we pray that we need to pray that the Father's what will come? Kingdom. That his kingdom will come. Now, once again, raise your hand if, if you uh, were raised to pray and say the Lord's Prayer, like from an early age, okay, raise your hand if you picked it up later in life, but it's still a part of your prayer life, okay, well, again, I said last Sunday that the Lord's Prayer, it's not a script of what to pray in detail, it's really a model of how to pray, But nonetheless, how many of y'all know it's important that as we pray it, as a model, it's important to know what the words actually mean so that when we pray, the prayer is meaningful? Does that make sense? And so there's this word, there's this word kingdom here in the prayer, and I, I wanna unpack what it means for us today. And it's not just for the sake of understanding this prayer better, it's for the sake of you understanding how it relates to your life, not just here on Sunday, but throughout those doors as you live your life Monday through the rest of the week. Is that fair enough? So, so that's where we're going to go. And so let, let me just teach y'all for a little bit on, on what this word means, and then I'm going to bring all kinds of application to your life, and you're going to leave fired up for Jesus. So if you're ready, say ready. So lean in for just a few minutes. The way I'm about to teach, some of you, at first, you might be like, whoa, that's too much. It's over my head. Listen, if it's in your heart to learn and to learn the Word of God, then God will place it within your grasp to reach and to get. Okay? So how many of y'all want to know the Word? I know some people are like, whoa! No, hold on. Hold on. Uh, listen, I watch the news, and a lot of things are like, "Whoa, I don't understand that. Okay? are things in the world I don't understand. But how many of y'all know there's nothing there's nothing more valuable than the word of God and his truth. And how many of y'all know that's worth pursuing? Okay, so I want you to lean in with me. And even if it's at first over your head, don't worry, because more is coming and it's going to build and it's going to inspire you. But but here's where we're going to begin. The question is not, what does the word kingdom mean to me? Okay, that's not the question. The question is not, what does the word kingdom mean to us? The question that we should ask is, what did the word kingdom mean to Jews living in the Old Testament and to Jewish Christians in the New Covenant? And so, in order to understand what this word means today, we gotta go back. We gotta go back into Israel's history to understand. What this concept of the kingdom meant back then, what did it mean? Let me, let me break this down. What did it mean to a Jew who spent time with Jesus who heard him use this word kingdom? What did it mean to that Jew? Well, let me, let me take you back for just a few minutes. Let me give you a big, big overview, and then I'm going to bring it right down to your life. But if you go back to the beginning of the Bible, back to literally Genesis chapter 1, The Bible tells us that God is the creator of all things, all things visible and invisible. And we're told in Genesis chapter 1 that God created Adam and Eve, watch this y'all, male and female. Let me do that again. Male, like there's men, and then there's women. Okay, male, female. He created male and female in his what? Own, in his own image. And that doesn't mean that God created Adam and Eve to look like him, that means he created them to be like him in many ways. Uh, And here's what we're going for here. God created Adam and Eve in his own image, male and female, and he called Adam and Eve to rule in the world. Everybody say rule. He called them to rule on his behalf. And we see this in Genesis 128. Listen carefully. The Bible says, and God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And what does it say? And subdue it. Ooh, and it gets better. And have dominion. You see that word dominion? Over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. The idea here is that as God's creations, that they were created, they were called to rule the world. Animals don't rule us. We are called to rule them. Creation does not rule us. We are called to rule it. That's how it was in the very beginning. Is that clear enough? Okay. Moving forward. Genesis 2. We're told that God gave Adam the command, you're free to eat from all the trees of the garden but the but the one tree you cannot you should not eat from because if you do in that day you'll surely what? You'll die. And so we know the rest of the story. Uh, Genesis 3 comes. The serpent enters creation. The serpent tempts Eve. I mean, think about that. A serpent tempts Eve. Someone said, where was Adam? Probably watching the LSU game. (laughs) Like nowhere around. No, he was. Actually, he was in close proximity. He was there, but not there. Uh, The the serpent tempted Eve. She, She ate, and then she gave some to her husband, and what did he do? He ate, And watch this. Don't miss this. When Adam ate the fruit, that was in direct defiance to God's heavenly what? His heavenly rule, even his earthly rule. That was Adam saying, no, God, I'm going to do what I want to do. You said not to eat, but I'm going to eat anyway. That was direct defiance. That was rebellion against God's rule. Now, we know the rest of the story, most of you do at least, that all was not lost. If you read on in the Bible, if we go forward, you know that God called Abraham. He called Isaac. He called Jacob. He called Joseph. Watch this, y'all. God called and formed a people for himself out of all the nations of the world. God called Israel. And he called Israel his firstborn son. And he called Israel, he called them, he delivered them, he made promises to them. And watch this, God, as their king, ruled over them. And God called Israel to go out into the world on his behalf and do something very important. It starts with an R, and that word is rule. They were to go forth into the world and rule and to be a blessing to World, a blessing to the nations. But instead of ruling for God, the people of God rebelled against his rule. Let me say it again. Instead of ruling for God, the people rebelled against his rule, and they did it over and over and over and over and over again throughout the centuries. And sadly, instead of ruling for God, The people of God were ruled over by foreign nations because of their sin. Let me stop for a second. How many of y'all know sin has consequences? When God says don't do something, it's not because he's trying to ruin your your fun. But when he says not to do something, he's telling you that because he loves you and he doesn't want you to be harmed or destroyed by that sinful action. How many of y'all know sin sin has consequences? And God tells us in advance what that looks like. And how many of y'all know we would do well to obey his voice? I mean, y'all know, we've all uh, been deaf to that voice. We've all resisted that voice before, but we would do well to listen to God. Well, the people of Israel, they rebelled over and over again. So so instead of ruling for God, watch, they rebelled. And instead of ruling in the world, they were ruled over by the world, the Babylonians, the Persians, and other nations. Watch this, y'all. Dominated, ruled over God's people in the earth. And this happened for hundreds and hundreds of years. Now, fast forward to the time of Jesus. If you're a Jew living in the first century, in the time of Jesus, well, you were in Israel. Watch this. I'm teaching you all. This this will make so much more sense out of your understanding of the Bible and what God has done through Jesus. Watch this. If you're a Jew living in the first century, you're living in Israel, but you are living under Roman rule. How many of y'all know that's not a good thing if you're called to be the free people of God, to be a blessing to the world? So the people of God are living under Roman authority, under Roman rule. That's where they found themselves in the first century. So they they needed deliverance from their enemies, but they also needed deliverance from themselves. They needed a a political deliverance. They needed a a military deliverance. But they also needed, and they didn't even realize it fully, they also needed personal deliverance. How many of y'all know our, our problem today is not that we're ruled over by foreign nations? The problem today is that many Christians are ruled over by foreign gods. Hold on. Boy, I'm about to blow the place up with some truth. But if you're living then and you're living under Roman rule, you're looking for a Messiah. If you know your scriptures, you're looking for a Davidic king who's going to come to deliver you and set you free. And so many people were, were waiting on Messiah to come. And then we're told in the Gospel of Matthew in particular that one day, seemingly out of nowhere, the king arrived. We're told that King Jesus came on the scene First century, and he came preaching what John the Baptist had already been preaching, and that message is encapsulated here in Matthew 4:17. Jesus said, here's his royal announcement. He said, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is what? Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now here's what I want you to see. This is King Jesus who came from heaven to the earth, he came, he was the king, he brought the kingdom with him. And basically what Jesus is saying is that the kingdom is here. And if you want to be a part of the rule and the reign of God, then entrance is by repentance. In other words, if you want to be a part of what God's doing, and under that rule, in that safe Place, then you have to repent. That is, turn from every other thing you've trusted in, from every other person that you've trusted in. It's turn from those things and turn to Jesus. How many of y'all know that's a timeless message that we need to hear today? Because there are things that we trust in, kings, so to speak, things, people that we place our trust in that promise a lot, but in the end results in bondage. Listen to me. The only one who can set you free is Jesus. He came from heaven to the earth to set us free from the law of sin and death. Jesus came preaching this message, repent because the kingdom is here. Repent because the kingdom Is here. He came announcing this. Watch this, y'all. This royal message. I mean, I could just, in my mind, it didn't happen this way, but picture someone with a horn, with an announcement, like a loud uh, blast of a trumpet, announcing that the king of all creation is here. Israel failed, but Jesus came to obey and to succeed. Israel rebelled Jesus came to rule why did Jesus come he came to this world to rule in the kingdom of God the kingdom of heaven they mean the same thing the kingdom is not a place you don't look out and say it's there the kingdom of God is a person and that person is Jesus and every single person who surrenders to him is a part of the kingdom of God is this making sense i'm working hard is this is this clear so so watch this so watch this this is the way it works jesus came and he came with this authoritative message he came saying basically he's the king and if you want to be a part of the kingdom you got to go through him he said i'm the way i'm the truth i'm the life entrance is through repentance but 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 along the way jesus not only preached how many of y'all know jesus preached with authority he wasn't like hey y'all what do you think Hey, I've got some thoughts. Like, can I share some thoughts? Like, can we bounce this off one another? How many of y'all know he didn't say that? He came from God as God and spoke the very words of God with power and authority, but of course with great love. But he not only preached with authority, he not only preached the message of the kingdom with authority, Jesus Christ, your God and mine, demonstrated that authority. How? How? Oh, I'm glad you asked. By walking on the water. Preachers, I've done it. We turn that into a message about faith, and that's there as well. But how many of y'all know when Jesus walked on the water and he calmed the wind and the waves, that was King Jesus showing his disciples and, by extension, the world that we, we call that Mother Nature. Let's go with that. Mother Nature is not God Father God is God, and he's given authority to his son. And when the son says to the weather, shut up, the weather shuts up. When the son says to the wind, stop. How many of y'all know the wind's smart enough to obey? When Jesus walked on the water, that was him showing that, that in Jewish thought, that the water was, was symbolic for chaos and disorder. That's Jesus walking on the water to say all disorder and chaos is under his feet. Are y'all getting this? When Jesus walked on water, that was King Jesus showing his kingship over creation. When Jesus healed someone, that was Jesus, yes, showing kindness and compassion. But even more than that, that was Jesus saying, without fully saying it, that he, not sickness, the Savior, not sickness, has the final word in our lives. That when he says a word, a word, demons leave. Hey, do y'all believe in demonic possession? You better... Let me just help you all with this. Demonic possession is not always what we think. You know, the exorcist, if you go back, what was that, the 70s or whenever that came out, head spinning, you know, throw up coming out, that can happen. But the greatest, clearest demonstration of demonic possession is not in the contortion of the head, but in the pride of someone's heart who resists the living God, who says no to heaven. That's the essence of satanic activity. Are you all with me? Woo, we got to watch that. But Jesus came, and he says this in Luke eleven twenty. But it, if it is by the finger of God, Luke eleven twenty, that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. You notice that by the finger, by the finger of God, if I cast out demons, that means God's rule and His authority is here. How many of y'all know Jesus' rule overthrows Satan's reign? Yes. Jesus came to cast out demons. And how many of y'all are looking forward to the day when God himself is going to cast Satan out of the creation, the serpent entered in Genesis 3, he'll be cast out, we're told, in Revelation 20, and then we will enter into a new heaven and new earth where there is no serpent, there is no sin, there is no sickness, because Jesus will rule forever, and we will, under his authority, live in that joy. Come on, y'all, give him praise today. That's amazing. Thank you, Pastor David, for the way you set this up so don't be discouraged don't be discouraged but Jesus came under the authority of God as God and listen to me carefully Jesus came to take back what belongs to God so when he cast out demons as Jesus saying I own that person not you devil you understand that that's him driving out Someone who came in to take up residence in someone that wasn't invited or doesn't belong there. Jesus came to expel, to cast out demonic presence. And in doing so, that's Jesus showing that he is king. And so God sent Jesus into the world to take back what belongs to him and to establish, if you're taking notes, you can write this down, to establish a new law of love and a new order of peace in people's lives that's why he came that's why he preached the way he preached that's why he did what he did to make things right in this rebellious world that we live in oh not all at once but person by person by person how many of y'all know that's how God works when he sets us free how many of y'all are free by the blood of the Lamb and by the power of God God, then we are a community, though he deals with us individually, he forms a community of free people who can't help but to live and give and shout about Jesus and give everything we have to the cause of the Christ who delivered us. Not to earn salvation, but because we're so fired up about our salvation that we give everything to our king because he is infinitely deserving of it. Can I get a better amen? That's the way we think and live so we don't give because, well, i got to give. Yeah, give because I'm giving to the king who gave it all for me. But Jesus came to establish a new law of love. Not to dominate, but to set people free, and so God doesn't force us to serve Him. He changes our heart so that we willingly gladly serve Him. When you got saved, it wasn't God dragging you saying, "You got to be saved." He changed your heart, and you heard the word of God, whereas before you didn't care. Before you didn't even love God, but now, because you got a new heart, you want to serve God. Isn't that the way it works? He gives us new hearts and new minds. And so, so everyone who submits to Jesus, everyone who believes in him and submits to his rule, watch us, becomes members of his kingdom and brand new creations. Man, that's good. So when you got saved, when you became born again, you didn't even know this happened, probably. You're sitting in your seat. Wherever, probably sitting down, someone shared. I shared, whomever, or if it's somewhere else, you're down. Okay. You said yes to Jesus, but do you know what you were saying yes to? The King of Glory, the God of all creation, the One who holds the universe in the palm of His hand, came to take up residence and to exert his rule in your life so that you're not just going to heaven but because you're surrendered to the king the king is bringing heaven to the earth through you you didn't even know oh that's why you're you're here today you're here and you're learning about this i didn't know pastor scott that i'm not just yet yeah, you're going to Y'all I mean, are you thankful you're going to heaven like nine of you maybe i should do an evangelistic message okay But you're not just called, as I'm going to show, to go to heaven. You're called to, under the authority of Christ, bring heaven to earth to your workplace, to your money, to your marriage, to every area of your life, if you're under the rule of King Jesus, then our heart posture should be, Jesus, you rule me, you reign over me, I have ruined my life, Jesus, you came to save my life, and if you're smart, the smartest thing you can do is submit to King Jesus and say, whatever you ask me to do, you are the eternal God, and I'm clearly not. Therefore, I'm going to surrender to you. Amen? So that wasn't bad, was it? Question. Let me go back and answer my question. I raised it. Let me answer it. What does the word kingdom, basileo in Greek, what does this word kingdom, what does it mean? Write this down if you're taking notes. According to Bedag, a Greek source that gives definitions for us, this word refers, kingdom refers to, listen carefully, God's kingship, his royal power, His royal rule in our lives. And so we can say it this way. I said it earlier. The kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven, same things. It's not a place. It's found in a person. It's found in the person of Jesus. Then the kingdom is found, watch y'all, in the people. Where's the kingdom? Look around y'all. People say, well, we're in church. That's right. But if you're in church and if you're in Christ, you are a part of the rule of God. Did you know that God's ruling through you? Did you know that God is getting his way through you and through your obedience? Boy, isn't it a a great honor to be used by the Savior to accomplish his purposes? He could do it all on his own. Jesus did what only he could do. He died. Just before he died, he said, it is finished. But the mission of God wasn't finished. It was just beginning. And so God called disciples, empowered by the Spirit, called by his name, in love with his mission to go out into all the world under his rule and to call people to faith and repentance and all who do enter into the kingdom with us. It's a beautiful truth. So with that said, What does all this have to do, Pastor Scott, with the Lord's Prayer? (laughs) Ooh, I'm fired up that y'all asked. (laughs) What does all that have to do with Matthew 6, 9, and 10? Here's, for starters, what it has to do with the Lord's Prayer. How many of y'all know today people are under the reign of sin and under the rule of Satan? How many of y'all know today people are in bondage? here in America, not not to foreign nations, but as I said earlier, to foreign gods who are being ruled over, they're being ruled and dominated by foreign gods. Today, people are in darkness, addicted to alcohol, addicted to pornography, addicted to the praise of man, you fill in the blank. And there's so many self-help, self-improvement tips and videos on YouTube. Hey, do this and this will help do that and that'll help. Sure, some of that it might, could be true. All truth is God's truth. But listen to me carefully. The only one who can truly set you free from the inside out is a man named Jesus, the God-man who came not just to address the bad fruit, but to buy the Holy Spirit, get at the root and make that root good. And if the root's good, the fruit will be good. Jesus came not to just give you tips and here's three steps to a better life. He came to change your life from the root to the fruit inside out. You'll never be perfect, but you can be free. You will never be perfect, but you can be free. Because he who the sun sets free. People are under the reign of sin. Under the rule of Satan. And the only way to be free from it all is by surrendering to the rule of King Jesus who provides pardon from the, from the penalty of sin and the power to overcome sin. Colossians 1, 13, 14 says the following. Paul writes, He, God, has delivered us. Notice the language. I love this language. He has delivered us from the what? The domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son. You see, now y'all are in a new kingdom, aren't you? You were in the domain of bondage. You were there, but He's transferred you in verse 14 says, In whom we, everybody say we, it's us, we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Oh, my goodness. You're in a new domain if you're under Christ and in him. You are under a new authority if you're in Christ. So, this is mind-blowing. So, when we prayed the second petition of the Lord's Prayer, here's what we're praying. Father, we are asking that your rule and your authority would come into this world and that people would surrender to it and be freed it (laughs) and so people they're raised to just repeat this prayer and you got to learn right you can't get it all at once but do you understand what you've been praying all those years now father i'm praying that your kingdom would come to my addicted son To my broken daughter, I'm praying that your kingdom and your rule would come to Acadiana in such a way that when it comes, it sets the captives free for everyone who submits to it. God, let them be freed by it to show that Satan, that pornography, that alcohol is not King Jesus you are. And when Jesus gets a hold of a heart, he gets a hold of hearts, He gets then he forms a community of people freed who go out and proclaim his kingship. And let me just say this, there are people in my past who God got their attention for this simple reason. Because I got saved. And if Scott Adams can get saved, the word on the street was anybody can get saved. If you want the story, call some of my high school teachers. Actually, if you mention my name, they'll probably hang up on you. But that's another story. So when we pray for the kingdom to come, we're praying for kingdom authority and power to invade people's lives. So when you cast out a demon... That is an expression of the kingdom of God. King Jesus kicking the devil out and reclaiming what belongs to him, to Jesus. When it does happen, I wish healings happened more often. There are people I've prayed for who've passed on. But then there are people that I've prayed for who have been healed and walked on for many years in wholeness and healing. Healing doesn't happen as often as I want it to in the form of a miracle, that sort. But how many of y'all know when it does? That's a royal foretaste of the power of God that's come in some measure. It's a promise that one day your healing is coming in full measure, so get ready for it. The kingdom of God is coming to a town near you to take over everybody in it. Come on, y'all. Jesus is... Lord, okay, let me begin to land the plane here. Jesus goes on to say this. Pray this way. Your will be done, Father, on earth as it is where? As it is in heaven. Key word here. Will. What is God's will? Have you ever thought about this? What is God's will? What's this? God's will simply is what he wants. His will is what he desires. His will is what pleases him. So, God's will, his will is good because how many of y'all know he's good? God's will is right because God is righteous. God's will is perfect. Listen to me, y'all. If you're resisting the will of God, listen carefully. His will is perfect because he is perfect. And on one hand, let me be as balanced as I can. I can't say everything in one message, so spare me the emails. On one hand, God's will is being done every day. Read Ephesians 1.11. That God works all things after the counsel of his own will. How many of y'all know God's not up in heaven going, hmm, I'm doing my best. Guess in Jesus, Spirit's here. Okay, we got the people in midtown. Um, but like it's not like he ever looks over to Michael, the archangel, like, I wonder how this thing's gonna end. Some of y'all didn't know that. That's not how he is. (laughs) Let me help you. God is not going, I hope this thing works out in history. Like, I hope hope it all works out. I hope Satan doesn't beat me. I'm being ridiculous, but how many of y'all know sometimes we live that way, in a ridiculous mindset? Listen to me. Satan will not have the final word in history. Your God has the final word. And may every demonic principality over this region know Jesus is king. My God, there better be some Christians who rise up in that assurance and authority. Stop letting the devil have his way in your life. Because God's not going to allow the devil to have the final say in this world. So on one hand, his will is being done every day. History is moving exactly where he wants it to go. And nothing and no one can stop that. Amen? On the other hand, there's... the hidden will of God. We don't know all those details, but we have the revealed will of God, which is what God tells us through his word that we ought to do and ought not to do. And how many of y'all know that expression of his will is resisted every day? So on one hand, God's doing exactly what he wants. On the other hand, we oftentimes do exactly what we want. His will is resisted every day. And this happens because of human stubbornness and pride my name is pastor scott i'm your friend make it personal for you i sure did for myself as i wrote this message this happens because of human stubbornness and pride this happens when we think we know better than god oh boy here comes a big one y'all ready brace yourself put on your seatbelt. This happens when the kingdom of self replaces the kingdom of God. When you say, without saying it, thank you, God, that was nice, but I am going to call the shots in my own sex life. I don't need you telling me what to do. Oh, I could preach a whole message right there. Jesus, yes, thank you for your blessing. Uh, No thanks to the commands. This happens when the kingdom of self replaces the kingdom of God. Please write this down. What I'm about to say will make all this come alive. Self-rule always leads to self-ruin. Did you get that? If not in this life, certainly in the one to come. Self-rule inevitably leads to self-ruin. The way I've written it is as follows. If we alone rule our lives then we alone will ruin our lives some of you know exactly what i'm talking about by experience some of you haven't gotten that revelation but in the end, someone's saying there is someone's saying i did it my way i did it my way how many of y'all know there is according to proverbs a way that seems right to us but in the end it leads to death There is a way in your heart that feels right. Oh, and how many of y'all know this is a generation? We are led by how we feel. It feels so good, it must be right. But as believers, listen, we have emotions. They are important, but they are not ultimate. King Jesus is ultimate. His word should have the final say, not how we feel. Y'all coming back? We'll see. <laughs> Listen to me carefully. Y'all are amazing. Check this out. If we alone rule our lives, then we alone will ruin our lives. If we alone define, define our lives, then we alone will destroy our lives. If you want to know what you're for, you don't look within You look above to the one who created you. If you want to know your purpose, you go to the one who created you. Someone says, when purpose is unknown, abuse is inevitable. How many of y'all know there are billions of people who apparently don't know their purpose? That's why they're abusing themselves, clueless of who they are. John Lennon used to sing, imagine there's no heaven. You remember the song? Imagine there's no heaven. It's easy if you try. No hell below, above us, only what? Sky. Now, John Lennon was a gifted man. But some people have formed their worldview more off John Lennon, I'm talking about believers, than the Apostle John. Imagine, imagine, imagine a world... Where it's just peace and there are no borders and we just all get along. How many of y'all know? The only place where you find peace is under the rule of Christ because he is the prince of peace. Well, let's just obliterate, you know, rights and wrongs and different religions. Let's just obliterate all that and then, then the world will be as it should be. And there are people living for that cause today. Well, sadly, many people... Billions of people have imagined that there's no God to believe in, no higher law to obey, no judgment to fear, no heaven to look forward to. And listen to my words carefully. Today, billions of people are living like hell because they have imagined that there is no place called heaven and no God besides self. That's the truest thing I believe I've said apart from just reading Scripture in a long time. That is the reality of the world we live in. Because previous generations, some within it, and in the one here now, especially the younger, we have imagined that there's no God. We've imagined apart from God a better place. And if you can imagine anything apart from God, that's not heaven, that's hell. Imagine there's no right, then there's no wrong. Imagine, you know, it's just up to you to decide what's right and wrong. Right. Go tell that to someone who lost, a Jew who lost their loved ones under Hitler's regime. The millions of Jews who were slaughtered. If we say that right and wrong is determined just by how we feel, then based on that logic, Hitler was right in doing what he wanted because he felt like the Jews were in his way. Are y'all with me? That was his feeling, and his feeling was from the pit of hell. That was not wisdom from above. That was wisdom from below, and ideas have consequences. That imagination of what he envisioned, it was lived out in the world, and now we look back in history, and we look at the the millions of lives that were slaughtered because he imagined something very evil apart from God. Hmm, imagine there's no heaven, Wait, let's do it. Let's, let's imagine that. Let's, that, that's, that is what billions of people have done. Yeah, yeah, let's go. No God, no God telling me what to do. No God telling me about how I should run my sex life. No God telling me what, like let's imagine, okay. People have gone there and because they've gone there. Well, that's why we're here where we are in world history. But as we close, y'all smile. (laughs) But let me challenge you with me to imagine something infinitely better. Let's not imagine with John Lennon. Let's imagine with the Apostle John. I not think of better John's to imagine with in the Bible. <clears throat> imagine, imagine, uh, do it with me right now. Just imagine, imagine a place of light and love and truth. Imagine a place free of sin, sickness, and sorrow. Imagine this with me. Imagine a place free free of racism, free of hatred, free of rebellion and murder, free of riots, free of destruction. Um, Are are y'all with me? Are you imagining that? God wants you to. But he doesn't want to leave it up to your imagination alone. God's given us his word. So that when we imagine these things, we have eternal truths to back up and to form these things. And what the Bible tells us is that there is a place, like I've just described. And how many of y'all are thankful? There is a heaven. There is a place that the righteous will enter and live in forever. Don't you ever forget it. On your best day, things are going very well. Praise God, the best is still yet to come. Thank God, on your worst day, as believers, remember, the best is yet to come. Get discouraged. You've got to go there. We're supposed to lament. There's a whole book called Lamentations. We lament over sin, which is the proper response, isn't it? If, If something bad happens, a murder happens, there's injustice, we should not just be like, well, we're going to heaven, praise God. No, we should lament. You should be sad. We get sad, but how many of y'all know we should not as believers stay sad? Because as one man said, everything sad and broken and ugly one day will become untrue. So I got you exactly where I want you. We've imagined heaven together. Now I want you, lastly, to imagine what this world would look like now we're going there but for now what this world would look like if the will of heaven were carried out here on the earth imagine what earth would look like if heaven would invade earth when we pray for revival maybe you didn't understand or know this actually what you're praying for is that the will and the authority and the beauty and the bliss of heaven would penetrate earth and that people would get a foretaste of the glory that is uh, uh, afforded to them through Jesus Christ. Listen, may revival come to America, but what does that mean? It means this, may the reign of God and the rule of God and the will of God come to our cities, our communities, our homes, our hearts, our marriages, our lives in such a way that we here on earth, that we walk to the valley of the shadow of death. We fear no evil because God is with us and his joy is in us and we're not perfect here, but we can be free. Imagine a world, and I don't mean the whole world becoming that way, this side of Jesus' return. It's not that optimistic in Scripture, but I can say, if not the world, certainly your world, your world. Imagine your world, your marriage, your home being ruled by heaven. It's the sweetest place you'll ever know. And that place really is in a person, Jesus. So, so then, as we conclude, the question is, how then should we pray? How then should we pray? Thanks for asking. We should pray for God's will to be done. Here, as there. We should pray, and worship is more than a song. It is. But shouldn't we pray that on Sunday, as the team leads... That worship will happen here as it takes place there. Oh, may God move in this place when we sing. He inhabits the praises of his people. God, may worship happen here as there where everybody erupts in praise, where there's no sadness or setbacks, there's no, no, no obstruction, nothing keeping us from seeing God. May we fall on our face. I'm praying for worship services to come where we're all on our face before the King. So we pray God's will to be done here as it's done there. We should pray for God's rule to be obeyed Here as it's obeyed, where? We should pray for God's name to be hallowed, where? Here, as it is there. Question. How is God's will, how is God's kingdom, how is it manifested in this world right now? Earlier I said, we should pray for the kingdom to come here but how does the kingdom of heaven come to the earth one person at a time one soul at a time one surrender at a time and that could be many in one service one move of God where people come under the rule of God when God takes up residence it's not just God come to the earth it's God come with power let your will be done right here as it's done there that should be the cry of every believer God let your will be done here As it is there in my marriage, in my life. Let worship happen here as there. And man, when God gets a hold of a people like that, who think that way and pray that way, that's the sort of people that he uses to bring in his kingdom and to change the world. Those who are under the lordship of Jesus. So in conclusion... How many of y'all are thankful the kingdom has come? It has come. It has come in some measure. But it will come in full measure. Thank you, Pastor David, for setting this up. Don't anybody move. Please know this. Jesus came from heaven to the earth. He did the will of the Father. He lived. He died. He rose. He ascended. He's at the right hand of God. He's there now ruling and reigning. Satan is not his co-equal. Jesus is over him. He's got Satan on a short leash. And one day, Jesus is coming back to this earth to kick the tail of evil. He's going to cast Satan into the lake of burning sulfur. He's going to cast him out. He's going to make things right in this world. Your God is coming back. And he's going to establish his rule. He's going to establish his reign. And we, as the people of God, will live safely and securely in his presence forever. So, Revelation 22.20, we didn't sync this up, at least not on the phone or in text or in person, but in the spirit, the final prayer of the entire Bible, Revelation 22.20, John says, amen, amen. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Come, come. Come on that white horse. Come and strike down evil. Come and raise the dead. Come and make every wrong right. Come, give us our glorified bodies. Come and obliterate racism. Come and right every wrong. Come! Come on, y'all. Say it with me. Come! Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Come! Come! Do what you promised to do. And how many of y'all know He will? He came the first time. He's going to come a second time. And His reward is with Him. And so when we pray... Lord's Prayer we pray our Father your your will be that's what you need to think about when you pray that prayer everything I've just said and when you do it will change your life does prayer change things? Yeah, it does. R.C. Sproul's right. It, change, it changes things. But the most important thing that prayer changes, he says, is you. The Lord's prayer changes me and it helps me think the way I'm supposed to in this fallen, broken world. That's what I want you to know. Here's what I want you to do. Lift your hands with me. Lift your hands with me. Here's what I want you to do. Surrender to King Jesus. Surrender to King Jesus. All your mess, all your junk, all your funk, all your sin, all your all your mistakes. Surrender your pride. Surrender your will right now. Surrender and lift your hands with me. And right now, Jesus, we're in your presence. And Father, I pray, I pray right now, God, that you would have your way in this church, that you would have your way in my life. Here, here, here is there. Lord, I pray right now, God, for you to come with your loving rule, with your loving reign. Come right now, God. And I pray, Lord, there's been such a war of the will. So many here have resisted you, but Lord, today I'm praying that you would give us hearts, hearts to obey, hearts to follow you. God, in Jesus' name, come, 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 come in power right now come in authority right now if you're here today and you're sick I want you to wave your hand at me if you're sick or you know someone who's sick someone who has cancer someone who's dealing with something Lord right now I pray for your kingdom to come with power I pray for the sick to be healed God I pray for the lost to be saved we raise our hands to heaven we ask God for you to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves God I'm praying for families For those who are on the the brink, Lord, they don't know how, they don't know how they're going to make it. Father, I'm praying for kingdom resources, for kingdom power right now. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, God. We give you thanks, Lord. Come on, can you just put your hands together? Can you put your hands together? Begin to thank him. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, give him praise. Come on, give him thanks. Come on, don't stop. Give him thanks. Let him know you love him. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, don't stop. Come on, give him your best. Thank you, King Jesus. We love you. And it's in your name we
0: pray. One more time, everyone said, Amen. Amen. Ooh, I am fired up after that. Anybody else? <clears throat> hey, stand with me. Just a few announcements this morning. So, number one, starting next Sunday, we will have our next steps intro to next steps right after our 11 a.m. service. Let me just tell you this. If this is your first Sunday or if you've been here since the orange chairs, if you've never served in any capacity, if you've led groups, every single person in this room has a next step. The way that you find that out, we're going to help you go through that class to find out what your next step is because we never stop growing until we meet Jesus. Amen. If you want some more information about that, all you have to do is text MTC next steps to 94,000 or scan the QR code uh, and we'll get you that information. And then the second announcement is that. Uh, Next Wednesday night, we will have our first Wednesday. We're going to do that every month through December. And we will have Pastor Gabe Smith from our Broussard campus right here at Midtown. And then lastly, if you guys need prayer for any reason whatsoever, we have a whole team of people that will be right up here in the front, ready and willing to pray with you. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for the words you spoke to us this morning, God. We ask you use them to convict us, to change us, to grow us, help us to walk them out as we leave this building. God, starting today, let us never be the same. We ask you guide us, guard us, and keep us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Everybody said, amen. amen. See you guys next week.